I said he's coming back. And he's coming back to a church filled with faith. The startling statement that Jesus makes to us, and I'm just letting our team get back together here, uh, that, that alarms me sometimes when I think about it. It says, when I come back, will I find faith on the earth? That's a big question. That's a loaded question. But I have to say to the Lord on behalf of Oak Grove Assembly, yes, you will. Yes, you will. We will be here, Lord, waiting on your return, and we will stand strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And uh, whatever the, the world or the culture uh, or, or the, whatever life throws at us, we're going to walk through the valley with our hands lifted high, with voices filled with praise and our hearts filled with hope. That's, that's who we are. We are. And whether you're here in person today or online, you're in for, for a wonderful testimony of the greatness of our God. And so Thomas and Angela Carpenter, missionaries through the disability, uh, uh, international disability ministries, which Compassion Link, and uh, they are friends of ours. They're part of our home church here. Uh, they've been part of worshiping with us for years. And, um, and uh, they, too, went through this pandemic but came out with victory. And I want them to come tonight, today and share with you what the Lord did for them. Would you help us welcome the carpenters? God bless you, Thomas and Angela. Open your hearts to receive. May your hearts be enriched with faith and confidence in our great God and his name. One more time, welcome Angela and Thomas. to the Thank you. Praise the Lord. What a privilege to be here this morning. We have so looked forward to sharing in the service today. And I just want to say that God is famous, that he is awesome. We want to lift him up today in the best way that we can. As we were worshiping, the Lord just brought Isaiah 43 to my mind so strong. I know that you know it. Yes, Brother Max knows it. Jesus said, fear not. And then he gave us three reasons why. He said, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Oh, my goodness. If Thomas wasn't preaching this morning, I could camp out on that right now. He said, I've redeemed you. Friends, the Lord doesn't waste a thing. You know, he he is not and has never been up in heaven going, oh, my goodness. I just didn't know it would come to this. I just didn't know it would would get like this. No, he's never been that way about the world or about any of our circumstances. He is working. He's in the midst. He's the fourth man in the fire. And so he says, I've redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. And I just encourage you this Christmas season, if I could say this real briefly, to to look for Jesus in every situation. Jesus is there. Jesus was there the day that I brought my husband home after 56 days. But Jesus was there when I was home by myself. And Thomas had a 3% chance to live. But all of us can say we've seen Jesus as we stood in front of a casket of a loved one. Jesus was still there. Yes, he was. Jesus is good in every circumstance. He's a good father and he's seeing us through. And you all are such a wonderful church family. I want to say thank you for your prayers. I know that you, I remember our first Sunday that we came back. Thomas hadn't been home very long. And uh, he's walking on his walker. And our buddy standing at the door, he says, well, there comes a miracle. And Thomas said, 
Did he just say, there comes America? Is he talking about me? I'm like, yes, he's talking about you. You all have uh, encouraged us. And pastor, I have gone back to my notes and read, you know, the Lord just, again, he doesn't waste a thing, but he gave me the word hope for 2020. And I said, okay, Lord, I don't know what we're going to face, but I like hope. I'll take all the hope I can get. And your first series, man, I was right. It was on hope. And I was taking screenshots of the, uh, of your message and everything. You know what? The Lord just knew. And as we, um, love our friends with all types of disabilities and they have a place in the body of Christ, they have a place to minister. Thomas and I recognize so clearly that we went through our circumstance. Everybody has their own circumstance, you know, their own story with this year. But I remember the day that I got the phone call from the hospital and they said, we want to paralyze your husband. We're going to turn him upside down on a bed and prone him and try to wake his lungs up. See if this can help him. And uh, I went to prayer and I said, Lord, you're allowing this so that now Thomas can look one day. I believe he will look at some of our friends with disabilities who are in a wheelchair all the time, have different paralysis. And he'll be able to say, I can relate to you a tiny bit better now. And Thomas had to learn to walk again, how to feed himself, how to talk again. The first time I saw him, he tried with all of his might just to lift his arm up off the bed to wave at me. And he could not do it. But the Lord has been so faithful. And now he can relate to our friends and I can relate to caregivers. My prayers for caregivers have certainly escalated. You know what? The Lord is just working. We just got to look for him. So I just encourage you today, look for Jesus in your circumstance. He's there. He's working. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jesus. I want to allude to something that Angela said just a second ago. When we first came, it was our anniversary. It was our first time to really get out after I'd gotten out of the hospital. It's May 31st, and uh, we we came to church. And we haven't been here very much. We really haven't. We travel so much, and, and we're hardly ever home. But when I got out of the car, and I heard the Greek staff say, wow, I'm so glad to see him today. Or there comes a miracle. And I'm like, do they even recognize me? Or or are they talking to somebody else? Or Because I was still back at the car, parked against the fence back there. And I just have to be honest with you. When I heard them, you guys, saying, Man, we're so glad to see you. We've been praying. It just kind of did something in my spirit. Yeah. When I walked through the door, I kind of had that dead leg thing going on. <laughs> yeah, except I was pushing my walker. As much as you can dead leg on a walker, that's what I was doing. That's what my spirit was feeling like when I came to the house of the Lord. Yeah. Because the word is true. I was glad when they said to me, Hallelujah. let us go to the house of the Lord because when you're in a situation where you don't have fellowship with believers, you are missing some of the greatest blessings God can give to you. I mean, I am so thankful for live stream. I'm thankful for the computer. I'm thankful for things that we can get the word of God in so many different ways. But 
even though we're social distancing here and we're doing a good job of that and we're wearing our mask and we're, we're doing all the precautions, there's something about being in the presence of God with the presence of his people and the presence of his saints. We need that. We need it. I need you. And I'm so thankful for your prayers. I'm going to get to a part of my message today on how valuable your prayers are. But I want to share with you, some of you might want to know where I am now. It's been almost seven months now since I've been out of the hospital. But I still have some after effects of what COVID has done. It's not a fun thing to go through. And some people want to glamorize it a little bit or make light of it a little bit. But telling you it's a it's a bad thing it was in the first part of march that uh angela and i had a sit down with the with, with a group of people from our office and and uh in that meeting some some more people came in one was uh, a dignitary from overseas uh superintendent from another country in europe and he uh we talked to him for a little bit two days later or three days later he flies home and gets checked and guess what he's COVID positive. And, and so we were exposed at that point. And then uh, the day after we met him, which was on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, we were in Arkansas doing a, a children's ministry weekend. Three or four days after that, guess what? The pastor calls and says, well, we've had an outbreak of COVID in, in our church and, and we're, I'm afraid we've exposed you to it. Angela, by this time, had already started to feel some of the effects and she began to get sick on that Saturday, had a headache and just running some fever. COVID really wasn't on our mind too much. It was just, you know, yeah, that's that's somewhere else right now. You know, that's China. That's somewhere else. You know, we don't need to be worried about that too much. And then it was Tuesday of the following week when I was trying to take care of Angela. I'm cooking something at the stove and, man, I just start getting dizzy and and feverish. And I told her, I, I don't feel good either. So I kind of sat down in my chair and I don't think I got out of my chair very much for next two or three days until finally on Friday, uh, I was feeling so badly and my, my, my breathing was so struggling. I was struggling with my breathing. Angela was feeling better by this time. I went, went to the emergency room and they, they didn't have the test yet. And they say, we're pretty sure you have COVID. We don't have the test. The tests are going to be in Monday. We'll have our new COVID protocols in place by then. Come back Monday and call before you come. And so we we kind of uh, went home with a bunch of medicine and inhalers and all kinds of pills and everything. And I started taking those and didn't really get any better. It got worse and worse. And finally, on Wednesday, I told Angela, I said, babe, if I'm feeling this bad, Tonight, I think you just need to take me back to the emergency room. I, I can't breathe. My breathing was heavily uh, labored, and, and, and uh, I was panting like a dog, just to put it in old country boy terms. <sighs> and uh, she said, well, if you're feeling that bad now, we need to take you now. That was miracle number one. Because if she hadn't have been spiritually alert to say, let's go now, if she hadn't have been, uh, if she'd have been afraid to make that call, I don't know if I'd have made it because it was like five hours later, they're prepping me for ICU. If I'd have waited till when I wanted to go, may not have made it. So I'm thankful for a praying godly wife yeah. who has taken care of me pretty good. Yes, 
I think I've gained all my weight back because of her. I lost like 35 pounds or so, and I gained it all back. And can't blame it on Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving just ended. But I'm thankful for her. And then when we got to the hospital, I'm thankful for a nursing staff. I'm going to call them out, Cox South Hospital, whatever floor I was on, and Team 19 or, or whatever you call yourself is they were amazing. They took good care of me if it hadn't been for the doctors and nurses and medical staff that I had. Wouldn't have made it. And then I got sent to select hospital. And and uh, that's where I remember most of my recovery from, Austin. Remember you coming in there. And you you saw me at my at some of my worst. I was improved, actually, when you saw me. But I was still pretty bad off. And uh, thank you, select hospital. Wonderful folks. They took care of me. And then I went to the Meyer Rehab and uh, spent nine days in there, 10 days in there. And again, the Lord placed strategic people in my life. Yes, but I will not uh, go without saying that all, all the people with all their expertise, if it hadn't been for God, I wouldn't Hallelujah. have made it. And you came here to hear my testimony. I want to tell you that this is your testimony. This is your testimony because all I did was lay there and get better. Had some amazing people around me, but it was the prayers of the saints. I am so overwhelmed. I'm so overwhelmed when I hear people. I meet them all the time, Brother Rod. All the time saying, oh, I prayed for you. I, I, I make a comment on Facebook anymore and people will comment. Oh, it's so good to see you post on here. I, I prayed for you. I'm like, wow, you know, we're talking eight months later, not eight, nine months later since March, you know, when, when they were really, when you guys were really praying hard for me and, and I still need them. I still have some nerve damage in my right hand and my right thigh, my left foot. The Lord's uh, healing me of that, thankfully. Yeah. Um, I was asking some of the folks, you know, about the healing process of that. I said, I know it's getting better, but how long is it going to take for this nerve damage to quit? And it, they said, well, you can expect these nerves to awaken or grow back at a centimeter a week. And I'm like, man, I've never been envious of Ron Moran for his height in all my life. But <laughs> being six, four and a half, that's going to take a long time. Man, if I was only Pastor Ron's height, I'd be healed already. But uh, I love Pastor Ron. But, you know, God's healing. God's doing a great work. I was laying there at Select Hospital. And uh, I remember the little van ride over from Cox. And uh, it was hard to breathe because they had to undo some of the breathing things I was on for the Five-minute ride, I guess, from, from Cox to Select. It's hard to breathe again, but once I got back into Select, they hooked me back up, and then they started examining me, making sure everything was in the right places and trying to get me set up in the special COVID unit they had set up at that time. And uh, they're testing my reflexes and having me push against their hands and squeeze their fingers and, and breathe into a machine and do all that. And I'm thinking, Lord... What am I doing here? I, I just remember going to the hospital and, and I was so peaceful over at Cox. You know, I was I was just laying there in a coma, just being in the presence of the Lord. And and now they're poking and prodding me and giving me shots in the belly. And 
all sorts of stuff. I'm, Lord, what's going on here? And I couldn't move my hands very well. I was shaking. Matter of fact, as Angela said, I, I couldn't even raise my hand up off the bed hardly. I remember texting her on the phone at one point. Uh, I was there two or three days, I guess, and I had to text her because uh, they had these uh, bands on the side of my bed and one of the nurses had told me said every time i come in here i want you see i want to see you work on those bands and pulling on them well i couldn't pull my thumb to my chin at this point i couldn't i couldn't do that with either arm and and i had to call angela or text her uh one day i said babe i've, I've touched my thumb to my chin five times today that was a miracle wow. that was a miracle for me when i could just do that and then when I got up and they, they, they helped me get up and stand up at a walker and I sat right back down because that was all I could do. I didn't know what was going on. I've always been a strong guy. Always been big for my age, always stronger than the norm. And, and, uh, a lot of times I felt invincible. I think I can do just about whatever I want to do. And now Superman's cape is off because I can't do anything. And folks, when it gets down to it, that's where we all are. Spiritually, we all are uh, a decaped Superman. When we have to deal with circumstances in our life, and I remember laying in the bed, and I'm, I'm shaking. I can't even text on the phone at one point, and and uh, I'm laying there in the bed. Just, Lord, is this going to be permanent? Am I going to have permanent damage to my arms and my legs? Am I ever going to be able to walk again? Am I ever going to be able to breathe freely on my own again? Are my lungs damaged to the point because I was given all the bad scenarios first, you know? And so the unsure nature of what was going to go on, I was just scared. And I'm laying there in the bed and and I'm singing these songs and and just all kinds of songs. He's still working on me was one of them I was singing, you know? It's a, Lord, you're not through with me yet. You got to help me out here. And, and, uh, you know, what a day that will be, you know, all sorts of stuff. You know, I was just like all these, all these songs of church kept going through my, my mind and my heart and they, they carried me. Yeah. And, uh, started thinking, Lord, what if I can't do this stuff? What if I can't do some of the stuff I want to do? And the Lord began to speak to my heart. And he said, Thomas, what if you can't uh, ever put your arms around your wife or your kids again and hug them strong like you used to? Is this going to be a deal breaker for you? What if you can't walk? What if you have to spend your life in a chair as a result of what you're going through right now? Is that a deal breaker for you? And I had to deal with that. And it didn't take me long because uh, I started thinking about the people we work with, people with disabilities. Well, Lord, what kind, what kind of disability missionary would I be <laughs> if this was going to be a deal breaker for me? And I've been encouraging people for 25 years now. Ah, God's got a plan for your life. God's got a purpose for your life. You can do anything you want to do. We'll help you do it. Couldn't be a hypocrite, right? But I want to ask that question to you today. What you're going through in your life, is there a deal breaker? Think about it. What is your deal breaker? 
Angela and I have lost a son to death. That wasn't a deal breaker. It only brought us closer to Jesus. We've lost loved ones. We've we've had struggles in our life. We've had we've had ministry that went south on us, Brother Ron. That wasn't a deal breaker. I want to encourage you, if you can think in your mind of any deal breaker you might have, and I want you to get rid of it now. Hallelujah. There is nothing worth missing the blessings of God for a temporary problem. Nothing should ever be a deal breaker between you and Jesus. Because there are too many benefits. Miracles started happening pretty quick every day. I remember uh, Austin, you, you know Rhonda, your friend at work. She, first first person I think I met, she, she got right in my face and she's wearing this mask and everything. All nurses began to look alike to me and she got in my face and said, you may get tired of me because I'm a singer and I sing to all my patients. They love for me to sing to them. And I'm thinking, you know what? I've heard people sing before and I've heard people claim they can sing before. Lord, I hope she's not a terrible singer because <laughs> she will get annoying. If, if not, but she was. She was a great singer, and, and she would sing to me every day, and she would. She was my personal. She and a guy named Chuck were kind of my personal physician, personal nurses that I knew the best from my, my unit that I was in. I was the only one in there. I was the first, I was the first COVID patient at Cox Hospital that they admitted in the COVID unit there. I was the first one at Select. Then I was the first one they had it at the Meyer Rehab as well. So I'm the triple crown winner, baby. Hey. <laughs> Never been a winner at much in my life, Brother Ron, but I was, came in first on those three occasions. And so I'm, I'm in the hospital there, and, and, uh, and, and Rhonda has been so great to sing to me, and she's been a blessing. And one day she comes in. I still have my trach in. It's still... Uh, I'm still on the vent and I can't speak yet. I can just move my move my mouth a little bit and, and whisper barely. Uh, and I, I said, I want you to sing me a song. And, and she said, okay, what, what song would you like me to sing? I said, do you know the song Waymaker? And her eyes got really big. She said, you won't believe this. I just copied that off the words so I could come and sing that song to you right now. Wow. I'm like, that's what I need right now. I need to hear that song. And that's kind of become my theme song now, you know. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. Hallelujah. My God, that is who you are. Glory to God. Mm. And God performed little miracle after little miracle after little miracle the whole time I was in the hospital. And he let me know that I was not alone. He kept me. And uh, on another occasion, uh, I'm laying in the bed and I'm thinking, Lord, I wish I could breathe better. Lord, I wish I could talk. I'd really love to talk. I'm tired of whispering and and, and I'm trying to talk to my family through the window. And, and I know a little bit of sign language, but they don't. <laughs> and it's it's hard to, to, to get my... Uh, my voice and what I want to say out to my family. And, and Lord, this thirst I have, I know that that IV has given me all the water and all the source of, of uh, uh, 
hydration that I need, but my mouth tells me that I'm dying. Lord, if you could just give me something to drink. Lord, they can't give me too much to drink because that's going to clog up the, the respirator that I was on. And so I can only eat these ice chips every now and then. And Lord, that's really not getting it. I just need something to drink. And so I was in a pretty miserable state one afternoon. And man, I was just like, oh, Lord, I need something to drink. And that became my overwhelming thought for that afternoon. God, I just need something to drink. I need more. These ice chips have quit cutting it. It's just not working. And I'm praying about that. And I feel the Lord speak to me. And he said, Thomas, what is it that you want? Would you rather be hydrated or anointed? I'm like, Lord, what do you mean? He said, I can give you something to drink. But I want you to soak in me right now. This is my time for you to be thirsty for me. This is a, And so I became so thirsty for more of God. Hallelujah. And I laid there in the presence of the Lord. And I want to tell you the peace of God is so awesome. You can't understand the peace of God that he can give. And so I'm laying there and I'm, I'm thirsty. I'm, I'm miserable. But Lord, yeah. Lord, I, I'd, I'd rather be hydrated in you than, than be verbal. Lord, I'd rather be hydrated in you than, than have something for my necessary throat. Lord, I'd rather be hydrated in you than to even breathe better. Lord, yeah, I think I'll choose you. And I mean, it is just a matter of minutes. Just less than 15 minutes, I think. And Rhonda or one of the other nurses comes in, the respiratory therapist comes in. And they said, hey, Dr. Ford Turner is called and she wants to do an experiment on you. Have at it. I'm a guinea pig. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, whatever you want to do, that's fine. She said, we're going to take the respirator off of you for four hours. And when we take this respirator off of you, you're going to be able to talk. It won't be strong, but you're going to be able to talk because we're going to take this hose off your trach. And we can cover up that hole in your in your neck there where, the, where that trach is. You can cover that up and you can get air coming over your vocal cords and you can talk, but don't overdo it. I was nodding. Oh, that's that's good. That's good. And she said, we want to see how well you're breathing on your own. Okay, that's good. Okay. And so they took the the uh, the, the little hose off my trach, and immediately it's like, ah, my lungs just filled up with air. It had been the best breath I'd taken in, in months, actually. But it's like, oh, wow, I can breathe. That feels so good. I got air all the way down in my lungs. Wow, that's so awesome, Lord. And and they put that little red cap over the hole there, and, and they said, well, see if you can say something. I said, what do you want me to say? And they're like, wow, you have a very strong voice. Said, yeah. Like, well, that's pretty good. I can talk, and, and I can breathe. And then right behind the nurse, here comes Chuck, my, my buddy. He's got a cup of water in one hand and a popsicle in the other best popsicle I ever ate in my life. I love popsicles too. But they left me off that respirator about six hours that day because I did so well breathing on my own. And, and I think I drank about six glasses of water and four popsicles, you know, and just one right after another. I got everything I asked for, everything I'd been dealing with 15 minutes before God answered my prayer that quick. Wow. Miracle after miracle. God is awesome. He is faithful. 
He's faithful to do some awesome things in our life. If we'll just open our eyes and see the small miracles. These things are not huge. These things are not earth changing for anybody else but me. But God does those same kind of miracles for you if you open your eyes and and just see them. If you see them, if you count your blessings, this is awesome Thanksgiving weekend. And and, uh, I am so thankful this week. Thankful for everything that's gone on. I will go back to the time when I was in Cox Hospital and I was in my coma. And uh, I chose to to go with this story at this place, even though this testimony has not been chronologically correct. I'll go back to the hospital in, in Cox Hospital because I think this is where I need to leave this message with you. When I was in the ICU, when I was in my coma, I was aware of people around. I was aware of people's presence. I was aware of God's presence. I was laying there in my bed. Obviously, my eyes are closed most of the time. I can't uh, I can't understand everything that's being said because I was sedated. But I remember when they moved me from, from one hospital bed to another. They moved me from a, a regular hospital bed, of which I don't have very much remembrance of, but when they moved me from the one hospital bed over to this rotation bed that they put me on, they, they shook me awake just a little bit. And I opened my eyes long enough to see some people working around me. And, and, and I'm thinking, this is weird. They are putting me in a building here. They've got, it looked like they were putting aluminum siding on a house or building a, a prefabbed barn or something. They just have these sheets of metal, and they're putting, putting them over me and bolting them down. And I'm like, what are they doing? They're putting me in this box or a barn somewhere, you know, another building. What's going on here? And, and uh, I'm looking at these guys, and they're just, and I'm like, wow. Lord, this, is, this is really weird. And so I'm, I'm in this bed, they, and I, I'm, I realize they're starting to do some things with me. And I'm more aware of people's presence around me at this point. And this is the point when uh, the doctors were calling Angela or when Angela was talking with them. And they were saying, we've tried just about everything. We don't know what else to do. We don't know how to treat a 55-year-old white man. And and that's kind of the way it is. The COVID virus, you you have to treat individual cases differently. And and they're saying, we're writing the book on how to treat a 55-year-old white man by your husband's case. And so it's like, well, okay, I'm, I'm guinea pig, and okay, I'm good with that. And uh, but I'm in this bed, and I remember as they're putting this bed over me, the, these these bars, and I've seen a picture of, of that bed, mm-hmm. and, and it, it was I was I was strapped in so that when they turned me over on my stomach, I wouldn't fall on the floor, obviously. But as I'm laying there in the bed, they got my arms here tied to the side of the bed, and I, I look over. And, and I'm I'm not sure at this point whether I was in the spirit or it was drugs or hallucinating or, or just out of it or whatever. But I'm I'm laying there and I'm seeing things. And I look over and I see Angela sitting at the foot of the bed. She wasn't there. She was 15 miles away. But in the spirit, I saw her sitting there at the edge of the bed. And I'm, I'm laying there and I look over. And, and all I could do was move my head a little bit. And I look over. And I see my son laying with his head right here in my left arm 
with his head on my shoulder. My son passed away in 2011. His name was Buck. He was nine years old. But this wasn't a nine-year-old. This was somebody who would be more his age now. Uh, he would turn 18 in, in uh, October. And so he was 17, 18, 19 years old in, in, in this vision. And, but I recognize him. And I'm trying to get Angela's attention. I'm trying to nod to her. Look, look, look. She's who I've got here in my arm. She couldn't tell. She was just sitting there smiling, reading her book, lifting up her head, watching, you know. And it was such an amazing thing. God knew what I needed. Yes. Because I was going through some things for the last nine years since my son passed away. Had so many questions. Because I was I was in the room with him when he passed away. He was in a car accident. Uh, he had some internal injuries. And I was in the emergency room when he coded. And I grabbed him by the foot and I just prayed this simple prayer. I said, Buck, come on, you can do this. We're people of faith. Lord, would you heal him now? And Buck came back. His, his heartbeat came back. And the doctor said, hey, we got a heartbeat. It's strong. Let's get him into surgery right now. And they took him up. And 15 minutes later, they came back down and said, we just couldn't do it with all the damage. It was done. And, but for all these years, I've thought, Lord, he heard me. He heard me because he responded to my voice. He responded to the prayer. Lord, but what was he feeling? Was he hurting? What is it? What is it like? What, what is it to, to go into eternity? What is it to, to feel this? And so the Lord allowed me to feel that. And for him to be able to share with me, Dad, it's okay. It's good here. Yeah. And we uh, we had a good time of fellowship with each other for 10 days. Every time I'd wake up, he'd be right there. Or we'd be up walking around doing stuff, even though I was still strapped to a bed. And it, one occasion, uh, I was telling Angela about this. Of course, she wanted to know everything. She's journaling everything down. And uh, I said, baby, we played ball together. We were throwing the ball. Buck loved to throw a ball. Baseball, football, basketball, it didn't matter. He always had a ball in his hand. And so I said, yeah, we're playing baseball. And, man, we're, we're throwing that ball and we're zinging it, man. We're popping that leather. And we've never thrown it better. No, no throws off target or anything. Everything is boom, bullseye every time. And Angela looks at me and she said, was he wearing a blue shirt? I said, well, yeah, he was. How'd you know? And she said, I was praying. And she said, I saw Buck playing ball on April 4th. I, I wrote it down. I, I saw Buck playing ball and, and he's throwing a ball to someone, but I can't see who he's throwing the ball to. And he'll turn around and smile at me real big. And then he'll catch the ball and throw it and turn around and smile at me real big. She never saw me. She saw Buck. But it was confirmation that everything is all right. Hallelujah. And all those things I was worried about, you know, wondering about, didn't have to worry about anymore. All those questions were answered. Because the whole time, 
The whole time I was in the hospital, all three of them, I've got one word, is peace. There's a peace that passes understanding. Yeah. Now, there's a lot of kind of different pieces in the world. You know, we, we want to have peace during wartime. You know, it's war and peace. And that's one kind of peace. And then there's another kind of peace where it's just like, uh, okay, I've got, I've got a little peace about it. You know, I'm, I'm not going to worry about that too much anymore. But then there's another kind of peace that goes beyond that. And that was the kind of peace I've never felt since. And I wish I could feel it again, Pastor Ron. I've, I've been trying to recreate it. I've been trying to make it happen. But that peace only comes from Jesus. And that's a, yeah. pe- that's a perfect peace. Hallelujah. That's a peace when you lay there and say, you know what? It doesn't matter anymore. All these cares of the world, it doesn't matter anymore. These things that used to get me upset, that just doesn't matter anymore. God's got this. God's got everything that I've ever committed to him. He's got it, and I don't have to worry about it anymore. And when you live in that kind of peace, it's it's like, I I think it's like a plant. You know, that, that when that plant is in the pot, and, and you got the soil around it, and you got the water there, and you got the nutri, whatever you put in there, the miracle grow stuff, you know. Uh, you, that that plant lives in peace. But when you take that plant out and you shake all that stuff off the root and you throw it out there on the ground somewhere, that plant doesn't have peace. But when we're rooted in the presence of God. And you, and you take the presence away from that plant and it dies. That's the way we are. But if we're in Christ and we are in the presence of God, there is so much peace. I can't explain it to you. Just know that that when we get in the presence of God, there is peace. And yes, I do believe that I had one foot in heaven and one foot here. I felt the presence of God. No, I didn't see Jesus. If I would saw Jesus, I'd probably stayed. But I felt his presence. And I believe we can feel his presence here too. Yeah. As I'm laying in the hospital there and and uh it, it's it's toward the end of my stay there at Cox and I'm still in a coma and they're still telling Angela, we just don't know what else to do. We're gonna give it a couple more days. We just don't know what else we can do. You know, we're just gonna wait and see, is what they said. They're, they're waiting and seeing, and, and they've done everything. They've given me everything they can do up to that point that they knew to do, and laying there. And I'm, I'm aware. I'm, I'm awake. I know. I know people are moving around. And all of a sudden, I, I hear people talking. And, and at first, I think it kind of sounded like Charlie Brown's teacher. Wah, 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 wah. And I'm trying to figure out, okay, there are people in my room, and they're they're talking i want to hear what they're saying about me and then i realized these people are praying i'm like wow these are pretty incredible people to pray over me that's pretty cool and then it got to be a few more people and i'm thinking wow they're, they're really having a prayer meeting. they must have let visitors in and all of a sudden it just got so overwhelming. It was like more people than I knew could possibly be in that room. And I, it was like, Lord, this is crazy. I hear people praying in English. I hear people praying in Spanish. I hear people praying in other languages that I know. And, and Lord, I know tongues when I hear tongues being prayed in. 
There are people praying in tongues. Wow, this is an amazing thing. I start feeling better. I'm starting to feel pretty good. And I'm laying there and it's so loud. You ever been in a loud church? You ever been in a church where the corporate praise is so loud, people are shouting and screaming and running and dancing? and That's what it sounded like, except it was like a stadium full of people. And I began to see this stadium full of people. And I began to hear people praying. People I recognize from places we've been, people I haven't seen in years, people. And the Lord began to say, you know what? These are the prayers of the saints going up for you. Glory to God. Like, wow, Lord, that's crazy. I didn't know that there were so many people praying for me. I, you know, who am I? You look, that's crazy. And, and I began to hear the prayers of the saints going up before the throne of God. And, and the Lord just kind of revealed me. And, and I want to stop and just say this. When you're in the presence of God, you think you want to ask all these questions and say, Lord, what about this? Why did this happen? You don't even have to do that. When you're in the presence of the Lord, everything is revealed to you. It, it is, and that's what it was. It, it was a revelation to me at that moment that these prayers that are being prayed for me are being prayed all over the world, and they're being prayed in different ways and in different languages. And the Lord revealed to me, these people are praying out loud. These people are praying in their prayer closet. These people are thinking about you. These people are, are praying for you in a whisper. Uh, these people are even writing down their prayers, and they're all coming into my ear the same way. Hallelujah. They're being heard. And I began to think, wow, this is so incredible. And I want to tell you that when you pray, and I know this church prayed for me the first Sunday we were here. Pastor Ron asked, how many of you guys have been praying for, for, for Brother Tom here and more than half the church raised their hand. And I'm like, wow, those are some of the people I heard. I thought about that on that Sunday morning. Those are some of the people I heard. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you praying. Your prayers are effective. Your prayers are powerful. Your prayers are not just bouncing off the ceiling. Your prayers are being continuously poured out before the throne of God over and over and over again. It's like the old eight-track tapes, except you don't get the click. God hears those prayers over and over and over again. The prayers of your grandma, the prayers of the saints that have gone on before us, they may have passed away. Those prayers are still being poured out before the throne of God, and they're creating spiritual energy in the greater places, and they're effective. They're changing things. It's affecting our world. You think, well, Lord, I've been praying about all these situations that are going on in our world. It doesn't seem to be doing any good. Let me tell you, it's going before the throne of God, and he's taking action. Yeah. He's taking action. We just don't see it yet. But God hears our prayers. And I got to hear them, too, just like God hears them. Because I heard them over and over again. And then the most amazing thing started to happen. I started hearing individuals speak up stronger than the other voices. It was like God dropped a microphone down in front of their face. And I began to hear people praying I hadn't heard in years. Heard my grandmother. Heard my dad. He's still with us. Heard some other great friends. And then all of a sudden, 
I heard one voice that really got my attention. One voice I've heard a lot, and I enjoy hearing it. I heard my wife, Angela. And I heard her say this phrase, Lord, would you please heal my wonderful, Tom, my wonderful husband, Thomas? I need him. And I'm like, okay, Lord, I got to respond to that one. Because this protective nature inside of me as a man, as a husband, you know, she says she needs me, so I got to get up and do something. I got to, I got to do something. And it was at that moment that I began to come out of my coma. It was that moment that I began to become more aware. I began to focus, and I, I knew even stronger that people were around me. I began to recognize people as they came in the room. My eyes came open, and I think they were open more than they were closed after that point. Because I was just watching what people were doing, but I heard the people of the praying and the saints praying. And it was the prayers of the saints. And that's why it's your testimony and not mine. As I said before, I just laid there and got better, and you guys prayed me here. Hallelujah. Your prayers are effective. Don't ever think your prayers are not effective. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for a praying church. I thank you for Oak Grove. I thank you for the other churches that have prayed, that I've heard testimonies of, the churches that we go to week after week, and we hear we hear people all the time saying, oh, we prayed for you, and just about everywhere we go week after week. How many of you prayed for Brother Tom? And people's hands would raise up. Lord, I thank you for a praying church. I'm not worried about what's going on in the world as much because I know people are praying in the churches right now. I know people are praying in their homes. People are gathering together online. People are getting together on the phones and praying with each other. I know, I know there's prayers going up before the throne of God right now on our behalf. And things are happening. Things are changing. And Lord, let us not become weary in our prayers and thinking they're not any good. But Lord, give us that faith. Give us faith to believe that what we're praying is actually going to come to fruition. We're believing, Lord, we're people of faith. We're praying that you'd awaken this church. Lord, I pray that you would awaken the body of Christ. Lord, that we would know and hear and recognize the word of God and know that we're not in this thing alone. Lord, there's hope for those that, that don't have any hope right now. They don't think they have any hope, but we have a hope. Lord, people that think they don't have faith, but they keep praying. Lord, I couldn't have any faith when I was laying in that bed. It was the faith of the people who were praying. They had to have faith for me. And so, Lord, those that just don't have any faith that things are going to be any better. Lord, give us as a church faith to believe for them right now and pray that things are going to get better. And things are going to improve and things can happen because I serve a God who can change things. I'm here today. I got the pictures. I can show you. And I can tell you about the deliverance of God after for the eight months that I've been out. It's been another miracle after another miracle. Am I without conflict? No, I still have these after effects I wish I could get rid of. But God is faithful. He is our way maker. He's our miracle worker. And he can do this.
Lord Jesus, I thank you right now. Lord, I know we are living in a depressed time. We're living in a time when when people are just down. 2020 has really kicked some of us really hard. But Lord, I serve a God bigger. Bigger than that. I serve a God. Doesn't matter what year it is to him. He's the ancient of days. He his days know no man. He knew this was coming. He knew 2020 was here. He knows what 2021 is going to be. And we have so much hope for 2021. We say, it's got to get better than 2020. But man, even if it isn't, God's still on the throne. He's still God. And there ain't no deal breakers. You can't have a deal breaker. you got to trust. And if I've not done anything today except to tell you your trust, your faith, your hope works. I want you to get it. Because I, I believe God's no respecter of persons. If he'll do it for me, he'll do it for you. He'll bring you through anything that you're going through. And I know that we go through uh, struggles, but and I know there's some fear going on here too. Fear of this COVID, fear of not socially distancing, not masking. I, I encourage you to do all those things. But if you need something from Jesus today and it does just, it's bigger than what your fear is, I want to pray with you. I know we have people here in the church that will pray with you. And and I just will believe that God will protect us because we're doing something that he calls us to do. If any sick among you, let him call on the elders of the church, let him pray. And, and if we're praying for miracles, don't you think the first miracle is he'll protect you? If you need something, God's got something. And, and if you need something from Jesus today, would you come and, and just let us pray with you? I'll put my mask on. You can put your mask on. I won't even touch you. I'll just stretch my hand out towards you. Get it fairly close to you. It's not about me touching you. It's not about me praying for you. It's a matter of your faith. Jesus is going to take care of that issue. God's going to take care of that circumstance. Would you come?